What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Shanna Plan. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, pinch hitting for Kyle Posey. And with me, as always, on a Wednesday, Akash Anavarathan. What's up, Akash? What's up, Rob? It's uh, It's been a while since we chatted because normally True. you'll be here. We'll be chatting before we hit record and then KP and I will do our thing. But since we've been recording super late and you're out east, we've uh, it's been a while since you and I have talked. Hope you've been doing well, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, you guys have uh, squeezed me out of the show recording process. <laughs> I don't think that's by accident, but, you know, I'm just just saying I'll trust you guys. A couple of West Coast guys just trying to hash this thing out late. But uh, it was actually cool. I got to see KP this weekend. He was down in Santa Clara for the game and he was uh, pregame. He was down out by the sidelines and trying to get his attention and give him a phone call. And he turns around and he just gives me a, a little head nod. What's up? And so it's good to see him. Wait, that's it? Uh, he he didn't come over to you and like dap you up or anything? Well, I, so I was in the stands. I was like 10 rows up. And so okay. I couldn't get down anywhere closer to him because Jerry Rice was right there. And just fans were just, you know, crowding the area. And so he just gave me the, you know, classic what's up nod. And uh, yeah, cool guy head nod. I see how it is. All right. Well, no, that is actually really <laughs> cool. Uh, I am jealous of you because uh, I'm here in Connecticut. So I don't get to uh, I don't get out to Levi's. In fact, I've never been to Levi's in my entire life, but that is very cool. I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it. This one comes from Adam McGurk10. Five stars. Love the content. Love the shows every day now. Always have content to listen to. Stats brings a more mature sports analyst take. Can definitely hear the ESPN in him. Probably my favorite show is Gold Diggers. I love the insights Michelle brings as more of an NFL insider. One thing, give Juwan Jennings some more love. He struggled with drops this year, but last year he was a great third down guy and a converted bun- and converted a bunch of key thirds. And I don't feel like he gets credit for. No OBJ. I like Juwan more. What do you think of that? Damn, that is a take. Um, Juwan Jennings, <laughs> <laughs> Juwan Jennings was fantastic on Sunday. I mean, he had a couple of plays on third down. And then the one that I vividly remember where the ball's short of the sticks and it's just Jawan and a couple defenders, you got to go make it happen. And he breaks a couple tackles, does his thing. It just seems like whenever it's third down, whenever they need a play, somehow the ball finds Jawan Jennings. And in those spots, he's not dropping it. And he's converting for first downs. I, I was leaving the game and I was like, man, third and Jennings would be a pretty sweet <laughs> nickname for him. But he was lights out. I don't think that necessarily should stop you from signing Odell Beckham Jr. Because he obviously is just better in other areas and assuming he's healthy and was what he was last year. So I don't think, you know, having Jennings should necessarily prohibit you from signing Odell. I actually saw a tweet from Jeff Dini. Since the beginning of 2021, Jawan Jennings has been targeted 27 times on third down. He has 20 catches and has converted 18 of them for either a first down or a touchdown. That is pretty damn good. Ironically, he was brought in to replace Kendrick Bourne, who kind of played the same role. Was tough, gritty, late round. He was an undrafted free agent, Jawan Jennings, seventh round pick, but just those guys that don't necessarily have the physical skills that some of the other nine receivers do, but they're just tough, make those contested catches, third downs, just guys that you need on your roster to make plays. And Jawan Jennings stepped up in a huge way. So that's one of the things we want to talk about on today's show. We'll get into the game on Sunday, of course, the third down offense specifically. 
Uh, we'll take a look at the playoff picture in the NFC, which is getting more and more interesting by the week. And then we'll take a look, obviously, at Arizona coming up on Monday. Maybe some weaknesses there. Maybe a lot of weaknesses there, depending on when you <laughs> see the Cardinals. We'll get it. We'll break it all down. But let's start with the offense on Sunday. Third down. I believe they were 9 of 17 for the game on third down. Um, they they did enough. I, you know, I wasn't thrilled with the offense. 22 points. I was saying to Vish on Monday, Akash, like I'm tired of hearing the list, right? What do we always say about this offense? There's so many guys, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey. I'm tired of hearing the list when they only put up 20 points a game, which is basically what they've done this year. But at least on third downs, they did seem to step it up on Sunday. This has been Kyle Shanahan's MO. And I saw this floating around a little bit as, you know, the offense has struggled to score. It's an offense that, really moves the ball well. And Kyle and I have talked about this. I'm sure all the 49er podcasts go through this. I think they're 11th in yards per drive this season, which is good. You know, they're they're close to the top 10. I think if you take away that week one game, they move into the top 10 in yards per drive. But they're 18th in points per drive. So they efficiently move the ball, yet they just seem to sputter in the red zone. And I think last year they were the NFL's number one red zone offense. I think they converted at like 65% of their red zone trips to touchdown at touchdowns this year, they're 16th, I believe. So they convert about 55 ish percent, 56%. So, you know, there's a drop off there and that's exactly what we're seeing, you know, result in some of their lower scoring outputs, uh, such as Sunday, for example, they were two or five in the red zone. And if you go back and watch, you know, they, they move the ball. Well, they get inside the 10 and then their offense just sputters for whatever reason. And, a lot of fans want to blame one individual, right? I think the mentality is always to be just blame just someone. And either it's Kyle Shanahan for his play calling, it's Jimmy Garoppolo can't, you know, he's unable to make the throws or it's the receivers or whatever it is. But I just think it's a combination of all those things and just poor execution. I mean, they had a couple plays, you know, on Sunday, we can go through. There was a, a red zone trip Rob, Rob and I were talking about where, Brandon Ayuk obviously drops the third down pass, which would have been a touchdown, right? So that's four points off the board. And then the last drive where Elijah Mitchell slips, that's the play where I think Mike McGlinchey misses the block and that video went viral. But if you take away the block, I mean, Mitchell probably scores if he doesn't slip in the turf or in the grass. And that's another four points. So it's just these little things add up. And Kyle and I go through this, you know, week in and week out with, with a lot of folks. If you just go and watch their red zone offense, it just they just miss execution on different plays in different ways week in and week out. And, you know, unfortunately, that's why they're not scoring at the same clip um, that they were last year. But despite that, if you take away, I saw Jordan Elliott tweet this earlier tonight. If you take away the week one Chicago game, right, a monsoon game with Trey Lance, and then the Denver game, which was Jimmy Garoppolo's first live action in a game since January, whatever you make of it, I think they're averaging like 26 points a game, which would be fifth or sixth in the NFL. So despite those two games, I think their offense has largely been okay, but it needs to be better for them to go where we think they're going to go, right? Which is be an NFC contender, a Super Bowl contender, et cetera. Their defense is there. We saw D'Amico Ryan's this defense when they're healthy. Hopefully when they get Eric Armstead back, they're going to be one of the top two, three units in the NFL, but this offense has the talent, has the coaching. Their quarterback's been pretty consistent this season. They just need to be able to put it all together 
and score a little bit more and we'd have a little bit more confidence in them, I think. I'm going to try and be positive as much as I can. <laughs> a lot of people think I'm negative. But you said something there that I it's really starting to drive me a little nuts because I feel like I don't know if all teams do this, but I feel like 49er fans especially do this, particularly with Kyle Shanahan. They usually start a sentence with, if you just take away this or <laughs> if if this guy did that, if he caught the ball, like it all counts. Brandon, Ayuk didn't catch the ball. McGlinchey missed the block. Elijah Mitchell slipped. The Denver game counts. The Bears game in week one counts. And and Kyle kind of does it too in some of his answers because I think he got a little, on the conference call on Monday, he'd almost seem like he got a little triggered because somebody said the offense wasn't clicking. And in his answer, he said the word clicking like twice. He was like, well, we're not clicking, but really Ayuk dropped a touchdown. I just feel like they're always trying to justify like, oh, there's not really a problem because if everybody did what they were supposed to all the time, then we would be fine. But that's just not how the NFL works. I completely get that. And I'm not excuse,ing any of those things, right? They, the L's stand on their record. That's why they're five and four. Cause they didn't necessarily play up to the mark in Chicago and in Denver. I'm just saying, if you look at the full body of work, their offense has largely moved the ball. If you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, Right there in the top 10, Jimmy Garoppolo up there and in a lot of the different statistics you look at, yet they've just struggled to score, which ultimately is the bottom line, right? It just it's a black and white thing. You score, you don't score, it just do you have more points than the other team? But if you just if you start to dig through for the reasons why, right? Because sometimes you'll be like, Well, it's the quarterback holding the team back, or sometimes you'll be like, Well, the offensive play caller has no idea what he's doing when they get into the red zone, or it's Whatever, right? And it just seems to be a mix of different things, and it's not to excuse their lack of execution. And I think, again, that's what Kyle Shanahan was kind of alluding to on Monday. He's like, well, if we just catch that ball. And that's sometimes, you know, you just got to make a play. And Brandon Ayuk, we've been kind of tooting his horn this season. You just got to catch that ball. It's just that simple. And sometimes it's just about your players making plays. And there's there's tons of instances of that. And they just need to do more of that in the red zone, I think. I saw an interesting tweet from Mike Clay of ESPN. I don't know if this was intentional by the 49ers or not. I'd be interested to get your take on it. Christian McCaffrey handled 11 of the first 16 carries in the game. Elijah Mitchell handled 13 of the final 16 carries. Do you think that Kyle kind of went with Christian early and then kind of wanted to go with the hammer late in the game when the Chargers were literally running out of defensive linemen and, and clearly were gassed by the end of that game? Or do you think it was just kind of a random thing that sort of worked out that way? It sounds more random. And, you know, you look at Elijah Mitchell's stats, it was better than Christian McCaffrey's. I think he was averaging nearly five yards per clip. He looked uh, good. I think, yeah, he did. He had some burst. He had some juice. He had a lot of those, like, cutback runs where they sell the outside zone and then you find the cutback lane then. So he looked good on Sunday. Christian McCaffrey, I think, averaged a little less than three yards per carry. Uh, so not his greatest effort. But, you know, I think it was more just riding with the hot hand and keeping McCaffrey fresh, right, for the stretch run and just trying to get Mitchell some carries. And I think the goal here, ultimately, I think they both ended up with around 20 touches, right, between carries, targets in the pass game, et cetera. So that's kind of the end goal, right? Because McCaffrey is going to be utilized a little bit differently than Mitchell. Mitchell more of just a true runner, whereas McCaffrey, you can kind of line him up anywhere. He's going to be throwing the ball a little bit more. 
And so ultimately at the end of the day, their touch count was about even. So um, not a big deal there. I, I just think you just ride the hot hand on a given week. And as long as they stay healthy, I think the Niners have a, a, a pretty good running back duo. It seems like once a game since they've gotten McCaffrey, Kyle can get him somehow just open on a swing pass where he just goes out to the flat and Jimmy hits him and he gets like 20, 25 yards. It's unbelievable. It's so nice to have that option where literally you just, it's just an easy throw for Jimmy and and there's Christian and bam, he just catches it in stride and makes a play. And it's like, it, it almost reminds me of how he used to get use check open like that once a game. Absolutely. And and the other thing is even when McCaffrey doesn't catch the ball, he is drawing attention of multiple defenders that frees up zones for other guys. And, you know, a, a play where I think Jimmy Garoppolo hits Brandon Ayuk over the middle. It's the one where Ayuk kind of outstretches. It was like a 20 yard gain on that play. They've got McCaffrey coming out of the backfield on a on a choice route two defenders on him, right? The linebacker follows McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, thinking the ball's going to go there and boom, Ayuk's right there behind him and Jimmy finds him. So even when he's not getting the ball, there's plays like that where he adds value. I tweeted at a play where they had Debo Samuel and McCaffrey both in the backfield in split gun. So Jimmy Garoppolo's in shotgun. He's got McCaffrey and Debo Samuel flanked next to him. McCaffrey's the lead blocker on that play and he's blocking the defensive back through the whistle, you know, out of bounds. So he, he's added value even when he's not touched the ball. It's kind of fit into just, you know, with the team, the ethos of the team where they are tough nosed, uh, you know, playing through the whistles, just probably stuff that Kyle Shanahan just loves. So I interviewed Christian McCaffrey last year during Super Week. Flex. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he just seemed like a chill dude, like normal yeah. person. But like when you see him on the field and you hear him in like postgame interviews and stuff, he's like a football robot. Like he is just like all in. He he, he told the the Fox produ- or the uh, I think it was the NBC production crew like he knows the playbook now. Like he's got it. He, it's good. He he's all set. Like he literally is just like a one track. Like I don't care about anything else. I'm all about the team. I just want to win. And I agree. Like I think he does fit into that locker room perfectly. He's just all business, and I love it. Absolutely. I think. When you talk about, you know, okay, outside of the talent, the position he plays, all that stuff, he just fits the mold of what the 49ers are looking for, especially in this era under Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, just a guy that loves football, tough-nosed, just kind of everything that some of the other guys on the team embody, right? You think George Kittle, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, and now Christian McCaffrey just kind of has that vibe too. And so I'm glad to see that he – you know, he didn't necessarily have the same box score, right, that he had against the Rams. That's that's hard to produce. Those games, <laughs> it's unfair to expect him to play like that week in and week out. But, you know, when he does have the those type of games, defenses are going to key in on that the subsequent week, and it's going to open things up for the other guys and just on the players and the coaches to go ahead and execute. Was there anything else from Sunday that you want to get to before we get into some of the, the bigger picture stuff? Yeah, offensively, we hit on their, you know, third down offense a little bit. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo just, for some reason, on third down, you look at some of the advanced metrics, he's just just converts at a insanely high rate for, you know, where we consider him as a quarterback. I mean, on Sunday, they converted a third and 12, a third and eight, a third and 10, a third and nine, a third and six. I mean, he completed those third downs to like four different receivers. I think on um, 
third downs that are longer than eight yards. He's completed 45% of those this season, which is, I think, only second behind Patrick Mahomes. I think Josh Dubow had that stat. So he's been money on the money down this season so far. So shout out to him. You know, we talk about the Niners running the ball 41 times or whatever it was. That is because they convert third downs at such a high clip. When they convert third downs like they did, I think they were 9 of 17, like you mentioned, that allows Kyle Shanahan and this run offense to get going. They control the ball. They control time of possession. And that's just kind of the style of football they want to play. And they were able to do that on uh, on Sunday. I just think if they avoided a couple of those mistakes, right, if Brandon Ayuk doesn't necessarily fumble, if they are just a little better in the red zone, I think that game is viewed a little bit differently. And, again, gets back to your point about ifs, but just saying. <laughs> it does – it was a weird feeling in the game because the Niners went almost a whole quarter without getting a first down and they're struggling. And even on the drive where they did eventually convert and get points, it's third and 12, I think. And Jimmy drops back and he throws to Kittle, who makes a nice catch, breaks a tackle. And like you could feel the energy sort of come back to the offense. And then that that Ray Ray McLeod play that we were talking about is the very next play after they make that conversion. And, you know, Collinsworth always says like, oh, well, you know, they, they needed to get that juice flowing again. And part of it's like, yeah, how about we just needed to throw the ball to George Kittle? Like, get the ball to our good people. You know, like, I feel like Kyle will never draw plays for people because I think he feels like he's forcing it. And he's he, I think in his mind, he's like, I'm smart enough to figure out where they're weak and and hurt them there without having to specifically draw up a play for Kittle in this area. You know, like... Kyle doesn't care if it's Ray Ray McLeod making the catch or whatever. And I get that, but also like that's where the 49ers have their advantage. George Kittle is better than the other team's linebackers. Debo's better than the other team's defenders. And I feel like sometimes I wish Kyle would almost kind of force it to those guys because they are so good and they do seem to get the team going. No, I agree with you. And that third and 12 play, I thought changed the game. I think at that point it was second quarter. It was 13 to three chargers. Uh, the Niners were still on their side of the 50. You can kind of feel the, the momentum in Levi's starting to leave a little bit. You were just like, man, if they don't convert this, they punt the ball back to Justin Herbert. Like this game could be 16 or 20 to three fast. And all of a sudden it snowballs. And on that play specifically, you know, um, known passing situation. So, you know, McGlinchey is going to be on an island against Khalil Mack, I think, in that play. So Kyle Shanahan gives him not one, but yeah. two chips. <laughs> Literally, George Kittle, I think, lines up in the slot. They chip Khalil, who was lined up, you know, super wide. And then McCaffrey runs out of the backfield for his route. He chips Khalil Mack. So by the time Khalil Mack even gets to McGlinchey, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's worked through his progression. The ball's out to George Kittle. And that was just a good throw. I, I think George Kittle wasn't the first read, but he gets open, hits him. Kittle makes a couple guys miss, and boom, it's a 20-something yard gain. And then... The next play, like you mentioned, Ray Ray McLeod. And I think that sequence, I think they had like three or four straight passes there. And Jimmy Garoppolo executes all of those. Boom, boom, boom. You move down the field. Um, and, and it's a different game. So, yeah, I mean, just their third down offense was great uh, on Sunday. So, shout out to that. And then defensively, I thought a couple guys stood out. First, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa had nine pressures on Sunday. I think that was second among all defenders on, on Sunday uh, this week. Charles Amenahu had six pressures. I mean, he's really, really come on. Um, he had a couple of deflections. I think one was a forced fumble. They didn't recover it. And then the interception of Talanoa Hufunga, 
you know, obviously Omenu who gets in the backfield deflects uh, the pass, and that's why Hufunga was able to deflect it. So defensively, I think in the last two games, they haven't given up a point in the second half, 110 yep. yards total. I mean, D'Amico Ryans is, for all the shit that we've given him in the first half and that opening drive where Justin Herbert went boom, 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 right down the field, they had the busted coverage with Talano Hufunga. He's been lights out in the second half, and that unit, once they get Eric Armstead back, I mean, they are only going to get better. So I thought defensively they were great. Offense, like we said, just needs to execute a le- little bit better uh, in these red zone situations, and I think the team will start to just move in the right direction. Yeah, we got to stop giving D'Amico Ryan's crap because his defense allows a touchdown on the opening drop. <laughs> like, okay, like if you allow one touchdown a game, which I feel like D'Amico's pretty much at like one or two per game, like that's amazing. Who cares that it comes on the first drive? Like we got to stop that. And think about it. I mean, Brandon Ayuk fumbles, short field. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski, who had a horrendous game. I mean, yeah, shanked punts, <laughs> blocked punt. I mean, but the defense, once again, it's a complimentary game and, and they really, really stepped up. But I think ultimately for this team to hit their ceiling and to win big in January and February, their offense just has to, has to start executing a little bit better in those low red zone situations. One more defender I wanted to give a little love to uh, before I forget. I thought Jordan Willis had a very good game. Absolutely. I feel like there were times where he'd line up opposite Bosa and he's shoving the tackle into the backfield just like Nick is. Uh, He had four tackles in the game, uh, did have a sack, had a tackle for loss, two quarterback hits. I just, first of all, I was like, who the hell's number 75 out there? Because I like totally forgot what numbers I think. I think he did. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't remember 75. And like he was in the backfield a lot and they gave up like, what was it? Like a sixth round pick to the jets to get him. And he's made some big plays for the Niners, including the the blocked punt in the Packers playoff game last year. It's been weird because they gave up a six round pick for Jordan Willis a couple seasons ago. And obviously I think he got popped for PED. So he missed six games last Mm -hmm. season, but obviously came back was huge in that Dallas game when Nick Bosa went down and then in the green Bay game blocked, you know, blocks the punt. And then this season, it felt like he wasn't even going to come off of IR. I totally forgot about him, complete honesty. And then Kyle Shanahan on Friday was like, oh, yeah, we think we're going to get Jordan Willis. And then he's out there playing, <laughs> and he was he looked fantastic. So just another addition. I think the sucky part is they're thin on the interior, yeah. right, which is where they're missing Armstead and Kinlaw. But they've got you know pretty good depth at edge. So it's good to have Willis back. I thought Fred Warner also flying around he's looked more like himself the last few weeks and then when you get Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire flying around this those you know between the defensive line and the linebacking core they just have so much talent and so much speed that it's hard for offenses yeah it's also hard when Dre Greenlaw gets thrown out for no reason whatsoever (laughs) that was terrible funny enough and I realize this when you're kind of at the stadium, just watching the game, you're in the crowd, you miss a lot of those things. Cause usually, you know, even if you're like, you know, you're looking at Twitter or something like that and you're at home and watching it on TV, you're usually still listening to the announcers and they'll be like, they'll talking about, they'll be talking about it, whatever. When you're at the game, you miss a lot of those things. I didn't even realize Drake Greenlaw got ejected until a little bit later and I didn't see him on the field. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I was totally with them on the penalty, but when they tossed him, I was like, that's crazy. That's a Justin Herbert. He got flexed into prime time next week. They want to make sure he's there. They had to do something, so they tossed poor Dre Greenlaw. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the playoff picture in the NFC 
and we will give an early preview of the Monday night football game between the Niners and the Cardinals. Back here on the Shanna plan, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero filling in for Kyle Posey on this Wednesday. All right, Akash, right now, Niners are five and four, second place in the NFC West, just a half game back of the Seattle Seahawks, who lost to the Buccaneers in Germany. It was a great Sunday for the 49ers. Started great, ended great, just a half game back in the NFC West. In terms of the playoff standings in the NFC, the Niners are the seventh seed right now. They are just ahead of the commanders, but they are in the playoffs if the season ended today. I think if you told most fans right now, 49ers are the number seven seed, you know, if the season ended today, I think that's disappointing. Honestly, with this team, with the talent they've got, you'd want them to be a little bit better. I mean, they were what, the sixth seed last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd argue this team is, is better on paper than last year's team. And it just be disappointing. So, I think most fans have their eyes set on the division. I think given coming into the season, you thought the Rams, Cardinals, and the Niners would be kind of in the mix. The Rams and Cardinals have fallen off for different reasons. Cardinals sneaky alive at four and six, but the Seahawks at six and four, they've got kind of an easy finishing schedule here. I know they still have got obviously the Niners on a Thursday night and they've got uh, the Chiefs, I think, still left. They've got a couple games against the Rams, but they should be in the mix. But I think the Niners... This is their division to lose. I mean, I I love to use Football Outsiders playoff odds because they run through a ton of different simulations. They've got the Niners at a 75% chance to make the playoffs as of Wednesday. Um, You know, their playoff odds increased by 5% as a result of their win uh, on Sunday, just primarily because it's, you know, a non-conference win. Um, And Football Outsiders actually has them at a 24% chance to, you know, win the division and be the three seed. Um, or sorry, they've got a, they've got them at a 45% chance to win the division and a 24% chance to finish as the number three seed, which I think is where most people are are thinking they'd kind of land, kind of that number two, number three seed, uh, you know, behind Philadelphia and Minnesota. I think that would be more acceptable, right? Winning the NFC West, um, and finishing as one of those top three seeds, hosting a home playoff game, and then you know whatever happens in the tournament happens, but. Uh, Football Outsiders also has the 49ers with the fifth easiest schedule remaining. I know a lot of people look at the opponents and, you you know, you're like, okay, they've still got the Bucks, They've still got the Dolphins. Um, Obviously, the two games against the Cardinals who've given them trouble in the past. But um, there's also a lot of bad opponents in there. You know, they've got the Commanders. Sneaky, not bad. Uh, Raiders. Saints. Raiders. Um, Yeah. I was worried about that game when the schedule came out because it's New Year's Day and it's Vegas. Now I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to kill him. Yeah. So, yeah, looking at the playoff picture and, you know, we like to review this every week just to see where they are. I know right now it's five and four and it looks like, you know, they're just on the brink of a playoff spot. But I think if this just if the team starts to play a little bit more consistently, they should start to put themselves in a position to win this division. Um, And I ultimately think they'll end up doing that the weird thing is and i swear to god this is true i was literally re-watching the bears game while i was waiting for you to pop in before we started to hit record because i just i miss trey lance like i was watching the charger game and you can see him on the sidelines and he's walking around and stuff and i'm like i just miss him so i just decided to fire up the seattle game and the bears game and start watching them if trey lance was starting and the 49ers had the exact same record at five and four i'd be totally happy i'd be like you know what 
this is great. They're half game out of the division. They're sitting in the playoffs. I'm actually more disappointed in the record now that they've had Jimmy Garoppolo because, you know, he's been there for so long. You didn't, you know, you're not going to have the growing pains with Jimmy that you would have had with Trey Lance. So I actually had higher expectations for the team with Jimmy, but the division is there for them. Do I, I'm trying to figure out how much I care about them winning the division. A lot. Really? I, I care a lot. I, I feel like just get in because I'll take the Niners. If you look at the rest of the NFC, I fear no team in the NFC. Like I give the Niners an absolute chance, if not being favored in every single team in the NFC, including Philadelphia. And I would have said that even before they lost. Yes and no. So I think, you know, going back to last season, uh, an underrated part of why I think they lost in Los Angeles wasn't because, you know, uh, Trent Williams was banged up or Jimmy Garoppolo was banged up and had a bad game. It's because they had played, I think, four straight road games, right? They had to win week 18 in Los Angeles. Then they come home, go to Dallas. Then they come home, go to Green Bay. Then they come home, go to Los Angeles. And eventually, all that travel on the road, that stuff just starts to take a toll. And so the 49ers can get a home playoff game as a two or a three seed. And then you never know if you're the two seed, Maybe you get another home playoff game. And so, yeah, that I think just makes a bigger difference. So that I think part of it is that's why I care. And I also just think the NFC West isn't that good this year. I know Seattle and Geno Smith, it's a good story. But if you're Kyle Shanahan with this team, like you got to win this division, man. Like Seattle's a cool story, but they are not better on paper talent-wise than you are. And, you know, you're 3-0 in the division. You beat them head-to-head already. I just think you got to take care of business. Win the NFC West. And, you know, whatever. They don't end up as a two seed or one seed, whatever, right? But I think you should win your division. I don't think they're going to get the two seed because Minnesota's also eight and one. I know. They've won so many coin flip games. I know. I think they're undefeated in one-score games, and they've also faced three backup quarterbacks this year, which great for us. Um, (laughs) Their schedule, they got Dallas this – Dallas coming up. The Jets, they still have to play. The Giants, they still have to play. The Packers, the Bears, they make, they could fall off. I guess it's not out of outside of the realm of possibility. I agree, um, but I also think the 49ers wouldn't necessarily fear that matchup if they had to go on oh, the road, no. right? If they had to go on the road to Minnesota, you know, they play in a dome, so their weather isn't a factor in Minnesota in January. I think that matchup of that defense and defensive line against Kirk Cousins just, you know, spells trouble. And then I think, you know, offensively, I think, they also have the uh, weapons to take advantage. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a matchup they'd fear on the road, which is why, you know, I'm not necessarily worried. I think Philadelphia honestly presents a scarier home field advantage than Minnesota does just with yeah. the weather that, you know, and that fan base out there. But I know we're a ways away from that and we'll see where the season goes. I think, I think the biggest thing with the 49ers as, as we kind of get into this Monday night matchup against Arizona is just finding some consistency and they've won the last two games against the Rams and the Chargers, games that they needed to win, they were supposed to win, favored, took care of business. But just, I feel like they're a a better team than Arizona. They're a healthier team. They're a better coached team right now. Oh, yeah. That's the way you think of Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) And just, you got to come out and take care of business. I mean, even against the Chargers in that first quarter, first quarter and a half, I was like, man, they look out coached. They look underprepared right now. And that seems to be kind of just a recurring theme with this team. They just they just need to come out and take care of business uh, on Monday against the Arizona Cardinals and go on a little bit of a run here, right? Because they get the Cardinals, they come back home, I think, to the Saints, if I'm not mistaken. And those are just 
You're going to be favored by at least seven, eight points in both of these games. You just got to take care of business, stack a couple wins, get a couple games over 500. And then we can start to look at the overall schedule moving forward and be like, okay, you know, this team, they've consistent, they're, they've, they're proven that they can beat inferior teams. So we can just chalk this up as a W, but looking at it right now, I don't know if I can just chalk these games up as W's because nope. the, the consistency of this team just doesn't match what they are on paper. Even with the win on Sunday, the Niners are still 26 and 24 against non Rams teams in the last three years. So they have Basically not been consistent. Flip. Yeah, pretty much. Um, usually with Arizona, they can't run the ball. They have difficulty running the ball against the Cardinals. And so they become more one dimensional. And then that Cardinals can kind of tee off on Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get in that scenario. And I feel like that's always been the trouble. That's why they, they're just three and three against the Cardinals uh, over the last, uh, what is it? Six three games. years. So they need to figure it out. And, and uh, I don't know if I should be happy or terrified that Colt McCoy may start again this week, Akash, because we remember what he did last year against us. Absolutely. I mean, so I don't, I don't know if you caught that hard knocks uh, that they're doing. I have season seen with the Arizona Cardinals. It just seems like, so the, the episode that they had uh, last week was uh, the Cardinals game uh, against the Seahawks, I believe. Um, and so obviously they lose that, but you can see just Kyler being Kyler, right? Just kind of aloof. Uh, he was arguing with DeAndre Hopkins on a play. Cliff Kingsbury seems to be throwing everything at the wall because he realizes, you know, it's their kind of last-ditch effort to make a run with this roster this season, and nothing was working. And somehow they found a way to pull out a win in Los Angeles, obviously against John Walford and that backup. Um, and obviously Cooper Cup got hurt in that game. And But with um, Colt McCoy at quarterback, it just felt like the team was, like, happier. It felt like they were playing um, – <laughs> especially that offense was just playing a little harder. They looked more energized. It felt like I watched kind of the condensed version of that game earlier. And it it just felt like they were playing a little harder for Colt McCoy than they were Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray also gives the 49ers just fits with his ability to extend plays. Um, and just with the way the 49ers have defended him in the past, he has just wreaked havoc. Obviously, the Cardinals uh, swept the 49ers last season. Um the first game, a little weird, right? It was Trey Lance's first start in Arizona. I don't know how much you can necessarily look at that game as, okay, um, I just think their offensive game plan, the 49ers' offensive game plan in that game wasn't great, yet they, it felt like they still had a shot. I thought defense played outstanding, actually, in that game. And then the second game was just a straight ass-whooping. <laughs> I, I just think 49ers overlooking their opponent, looking at, like, hey, it's Colt McCoy, it's Cliff Kingsbury, like, we got this. And they just got their ass whooped. So, yeah, this week's going to be interesting. I think the Cardinals, and and we'll get to this as we talk about their weakness, it's on offense. Ironically, their defense actually has been pretty good under Vance Joseph. Um, they've got a, a good amount of talent. I don't know if Buda Baker's going to play this week, but their defensive line's good. They've got playmakers at all three levels. I think they're in the top 10 in DVOA. And if you remove that week one game against the Chiefs, so I'm going to do this for the opponent. If you remove we that go. week one game, they're actually, you know, in kind of the top eight of defensive DVOA. So they've been putting up some good numbers. Um, it's really their offense that's been a problem, especially in the first quarters. They've just struggled to score. They struggle to score, which is ironic because Kyle Shanahan's teams generally are good on the scripted drives and then they struggle after. 
It's like Cliff Kingsbury's teams are, are reverse. <laughs> They're <laughs> terrible in the scripted portion of the games, and then they seem to figure it out as, as it goes on. So their offense right now, I think it's 29th in total offensive DVOA, which is worse than the Rams. And the Niners manhandled them a couple weeks ago. Different offenses, obviously, but um, I just think the 49ers should be able to smother them defensively. Um, you know, no Zach Ertz, which is a big deal because it seems like offenses have been taken advantage of kind of the deep middle area of the field against the 49ers defense, kind of where Talano Ufanga or Tashawn Gibson have generally manned that area. Those guys have struggled, whatever it is, communication, right? Coverage lapses, et cetera. And not having Zach Ertz there, I think, will be, you know, an advantage for the 49ers offense or 49ers defense, excuse me. I still think DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his. He's always torched the 49ers, no matter who's been at corner. You know, I'd expect Mooney Ward and, and Demo Lenore to have that challenge, but I still think he's going to get his. Um, they cut Eno Benjamin, which was a surprise. They're running what the back. Heck is going on there? He's he's a good yeah. player and was good for them too. Yeah, and he trucked Dre Kirkpatrick yeah, on en route to a touchdown. <laughs> Uh, against the 49ers last season. So I'm glad that that defense won't have to face him. And, you know, ultimately divisional opponent, familiar with what they do scheme-wise. And I just think the 49ers defense has an advantage against that offense, regardless of who's at quarterback. I just think they've been off. I know people worry about Kyler, his legs, and he's going to make some plays and he's going to be frustrating. But I think across 60 minutes, I think D'Amico Ryan's and that defense just has an advantage. Um and we'll see. You know, Kyler has obviously a, a hamstring injury. So even if he plays, who knows how close he is to 100% and, and how much of that running threat he's going to present against this defense. We'll see. But I think the challenge is more on the other side of the ball. Fortnite's offense going up against a good, good defense. It's, it's felt like Vance Joseph has actually done well against Kyle Shanahan uh, in, in Arizona. It's felt like they've kept their offense in check um, the previous few years. So I think that's where the the challenge and trouble is going to be is going to be scoring. So apparently, Eno Benjamin was claimed by the Texans. So sorry, Eno, your NFL fortune didn't really improve that much. Um, <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury said that they were going to see how Kyler was doing and doing on practice on Wednesday, and we'll see. But he also said in Kyler's last game, he wasn't able to really separate like he can when he gets in those open spaces, and that's a big weapon for him. So it sounds like maybe they're going to wait until he's 100% to bring him back. Honestly, though, like with the way things are going and you're Cliff Kingsbury, part of me wonders if maybe he's like, you know what? We had a different feel with Colt McCoy. Let's just see how it's going. And because he needs to start stacking some wins, man. Things are kind of spiraling on him. But uh, it this is important for the Niners because, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. If you can win this game against Arizona and win the game against New Orleans, and then you go against Miami and you're what seven and four? Because mm -hmm. they have Miami, Tampa Bay, and Seattle back to back to back. Those are that's the last toughest, toughest stretch in the Niners schedule. You're probably not going to win all three of those games, right? So if you can if you can win against Arizona and New Orleans, losing one of those next three, it's you can deal with it. It's not the end of the world. But if you drop one of these games to Arizona and New Orleans and then lose one of the next three, now I start to get a little nervous. And Arizona divisional game, 3-0 in the division, winning yep. another divisional game, going to 4-0, huge, huge deal because assume they do split. You know, if they split against Seattle, 
um, and they end up with the same record, which is a possibility, then divisional record, I believe, is the next tiebreaker. So um, winning these other divisional games do matter. And then, like you mentioned, yeah, across this next, what was I think you rattled off five games. Ironically, if there's one game in there that you want to lose, it's against Miami because it's a non-conference, non-common yep. opponent. So that loss doesn't really hurt you in the big picture, though I feel like on social media, if they lost that game, it'd be a huge deal because it'd be Mike McDaniel beating Kyle Shanahan at Levi's Stadium, and that would just be, you know, eh, whatever. It'd feel like the end of the world that week. But big picture, if you wanted to drop a game, that would be the one because the Tampa game probably means more in terms of tiebreakers for seeding purposes. Obviously, the Seattle game, my guess, that will end up deciding the division, right? I don't know if Seattle can just keep up on this pace, but if the Niners just beat them twice, put them away, then you have the tiebreaker. You can end with the same record and still win the division, et cetera, et cetera. You know, kind of like what happened in 2019. And so I would, you know, for all intents and purposes, you would, you know, focus on some of these NFC games. But before we get big picture, just back to the Cardinals. I think the other factor is um, obviously playing in Mexico City. So you're not in Arizona. I would say the Niners probably have a home field advantage, even if it's like a 50-50 split, 60-40 split. Not sure what it's going to be. It'll be hard to tell on TV because they both wear red, but I'd imagine it's a, it's a Niners home crowd. And then on top of that, the you know the elevation, obviously the Niners are out in Colorado Springs this week uh, at the Air Force Academy. So they'll hopefully be just more accustomed to the elevation uh, of Mexico City by the time they get down there for next Monday night. But the extra day of rest... You know, being familiar with the elevation, throwing in, you know, the importance of this game and wanting to find, you know, some rhythm and getting on a run. I just, I like the 49ers in this game. So Colorado Springs is 6,000 feet above sea level. That's still 1,200 feet lower than Mexico City. Mexico City is insanely high. It's insanely high. Like, it's way higher than even where they're at now. So that's really, really hard to simulate. I know Jawan Jennings was on KMBR and was basically like, there's not really anything you can do. You just have to adjust. Like, your body, the longer you're there, the easier it gets. And so that's, I'm sure, part of the reason why Kyle is down there and, and trying to acclimate everybody. Oh, I don't know if I can predict a Niners win. I, I'm nervous. I, I am too. I'm surprised they just go to Mexico City because I run one of the weird things is Colorado Springs. The weather is like I don't know if you looked. It's like it's in cold. the 20s. It's cold yeah. as hell. Yeah, Mexico City is like in the 70s. So yeah, okay, you're preparing for the elevation. That seems a little weird. Um, but I know you know they've they've prepared in different climates and then gone and played. So I don't know how big of a deal that is. But yeah, I think the elevation thing is huge, right? Especially defensively like having to play 60 70 80 snaps rushing the passer like those things become a lot harder in elevation i mean they they played in denver already this season i thought the defense played outstanding that game yes um so that they do have some practice there we do have some you know recent data of them playing in mile high type conditions so i don't know how much of a factor that is but yeah just like you mentioned it's it's always nervous going into a 49ers game just because you don't know which which group is showing up, right? Are they going to be the team that comes out, consistently executes, you know, have a good game plan and boom, 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 they beat the brakes off the opponent? Or is it going to just be one of those grinded out, turnover-filled, mistake-filled game where, you know, it comes down to the end? So we shall see. But on paper, I just think they have the advantage 
um, defensively. I think if you had to stack the four units, I think the 49ers defense clear in a way is the best. And then you kind of have the the uh, Cardinals defense and the 49ers offense kind of in tier two. And then clear tier three to me is the Cardinals offense. So I think ultimately the 49ers do have the advantage there. And so I think they know the importance of the game. I think the Cardinals may, you know, I know they won last week, but just leading up to the game, it felt like they were quitting on their coach and quarterback. So, And they beat a team without their starting quarterback also. No, completely agree. And so... And I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you look and you're like, man, we lost these guys two times. It's easy to motivate the Niners, say, if it's Colt McCoy starting at quarterback. And we'll find sure. out more as, as the week goes with the practice reports and things. But it's easy because you can just you point to last season and be like, well, they kicked our ass. So <laughs> let's, you know, um, let's focus and return the favor this week. I think it's easy to motivate these guys for these Cardinals games, just given the way they both went last season. So we'll see where it goes. Regardless, we will be here with you after the game, breaking it all down on the instant reaction show. It's going to be like, I feel like we're, we could be starting to build up that steam, right? You win before the bye, you win coming out of the bye. Then you win again against Arizona. All of a sudden you feel like, Hey, we've got some momentum. People start getting a little nervous about facing the 49ers. And then we can really start to dream a little bit about the end of the, uh, of the season. Which is exactly what happened last season. They fell to three and five, and then you look up, they rattled off, I think, what? They were seven, they won seven of their last nine games going into the playoffs. And so I think fans are hoping for a similar run this season. It didn't get as bad as it did last year, but they can just start to get on a little bit of a rhythm here. Uh, those things matter in the NFL, even if it's a week in, week out league. But I think they start to go on a run and uh, just keep this thing going. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Shanna Plan. Thanks to Kyle Posey for letting me hop in here. Thanks to you, Akash, for putting up with me for the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, <laughs> we want to remind everybody, please continue, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always appreciate your reviews. You're helping us get our rating up on Apple Pods, which is very, very important. We are the fastest growing 49ers podcast on the planet, and that is due to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.